0: everybody, and welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, the podcast where we talk to people that have written cookbooks or are obsessed with food. And in this case, someone who's growing food, we are talking to Meg Cowden. She is the Instagrammer Seed to Fork, but also an author of a fantastic book called Plant, Grow, Harvest, Repeat. And Meg, I follow you on Instagram and the book came into my zeitgeist like in the spring, but then I think I forgot about it because I was at Burnside Lodge this fall. And uh, Lonnie uh, LaMontaine, who is the proprietress of the lodge, was saying, Do you know Meg Cowden? She is a guest. She wrote her part of her book while she was here. And I was like thinking, and she, she handed me your book, and I was like, Oh, yes this is her and I have a signed copy that I bought at the lodge.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love Burnt Side. And that's all true. I did. I wrote a couple of chapters of the book up there. I think it was cabin 17 Yeah. during COVID, (laughs) during COVID, one of those little old original cabins just up off the lodge there. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me on and for supporting my work and for helping spread the word about how wonderful it is to grow food in Minnesota. I can't wait to talk about this.
0: All right. For those of you that don't know, uh, Meg has, we'll call it, it's a farm basically in urban South Minneapolis. Oops. Nope. We're Where Where is correct it? that? Yeah. Where no. are you?
1: We are out. We're out past the 494 loop. We are out in the West Metro.
0: Why did I always think you were in South Minneapolis?
1: Cuz we were for the first like 13 14 years. We okay. moved out here in 2016. For from 2003 to 20 16 we lived in the orbit of lake harriet yeah on one side or the other yeah yeah yeah. so southwest minneapolis um and i helped start the fulton farmers market back there okay when I lived in that neighborhood so i'm very have been historically involved in food in one way or another yeah i served on
0: the board of the fulton neighborhood association for many years so well, this makes some sense because your yard is gorgeous but it seemed like it's somewhat large And I kept thinking like, how is she doing all this in her urban farmstead? So I wouldn't
1: have a house or a garage because the size (laughs) of our garden is slightly larger than an urban lot right now. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, And it's all like from, it's mostly raised beds and you are growing and rotating crops and really maximizing the season in a way that I never even knew was possible in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I think that's very true. Whenever I drive around places and I see any chance I get to see someone's like garden in outstate Minnesota, even just slightly outside of where we are here, like out towards St. Bonnie or like up towards Loretto, if I'm heading in one of those directions, I always look and I'm always very careful to observe what people are growing. And a lot of times it's a row of cabbage, a row of Brussels sprouts, and then 50% sweet corn. And I'm like, people, there is more to life than these three. And of course there's tomatoes too, right. And beans, but it's really reflective. I think of partly food culture in Minnesota. I mean, I'm not a Minnesotan, but I do think like sauerkraut and, you know, I think that's a big thing here. And it has been traditionally, I know a lot of people who, who put up big vats of it and they have memories of doing that with their grandparents so um it's food culture that's still alive but yes you're right like the more I garden and the more I have this opportunity and we did transition to raise beds last year um I have way more space to play now than I even did um you know two years ago and two years ago the garden was pretty ample and our goal in leaving the city and moving to we're on a little under three acres um and we chose the site for the sunny aspect of being able to have a garden. Um, we really wanted to get very serious about growing our own food and just seeing like, can we grow enough food for ourselves? What would that feel like? And what would the foods be? And we're still very much exploring it. And that's what I love. And there's so much like diversity and and um, so much more that we can grow that I think even I still feel like a student of of what is possible. Like I'm growing mosh so corn salad i'm growing that for the first time this fall i'm hesitant that i'm gonna like it because i don't like leafy vegetables that don't crunch in my mouth right but when you redefine your growing season you have to acquaint yourself with foods that are seasonally appropriate and part of me with like climate change and all that's going on in the world and today we've got smoke from Forest burning yep. out west. And this is, this is since we moved out here, this is now an annual thing. We are now living with smoke and we're living with change. And I think part of what I feel very called to do is like, okay, I have land, I have a garden, I can grow food past the first frost. And I feel like that is a vocation and an obligation for us to really try to consider that. And that means learning to enjoy foods that we might not see in the grocery store, that we might not have ever wanted to cook with or knew about so it's
0: it's our it's our classroom right so you take your vegetables then that you make and are you a good cook and have you had to learn how to cook things because I think for me the love of gardening kind of started at the CSA because I was getting all these cool things in my CSA and I thought oh well if they can grow these things I can probably grow these things and then I can eat them and not have to feel bad about, you know, if I can't get to the CSA because I'm at the lake or whatever. I was like, I can just plant these things myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say my husband is more of the chef of the house than I am. The kids would say that too. We have different eating styles, right? Like my, the way my mother raised us with like, my go-to would be like a comfort, like red sauce with pasta or like a quick primavera with like summer vegetables. And my husband doesn't enjoy that. So like, so we have to end up, we end up um, sharing the the cooking. Like tonight, I'm going to do a fresh loaf of sourdough, fresh vegetables, and we're doing fondue. We're doing a quick dinner, but it's going to be fresh vegetables from the garden. It's just going to take a different form, right? Very quick, fast food
0: what would he do like if he were cooking today just as an example
1: um he might do a stir fry he likes to cook he really loves to do more elaborate like slow cooked meats and he likes to cook stews and we've got two somewhat picky eaters they they don't intersect with what they enjoy eating in terms of vegetables a lot so we have to cook to one or the other it's Let's not get into the parenting (laughs) thing. That's
0: not what we're going to talk about. I'm trying to get your kids to eat vegetables. Yes,
1: yes, yes. So, so yeah. So on the weekends we do a lot of cooking together, but we love like just slow cooked, like a cassoulet with like all of our garden veggies and things like that. So, but we also love very, we'd love a lot of Mediterranean dishes. So we've been doing a lot of like fatouche and like baba ganoush, like our smoked peppery or smoked eggplants. And so Um, and we've got corn coming into season again. So that's a a good problem to have.
0: Yeah. So do you, I am like somewhat of a food hoarder. I can't really throw anything away. So I'm like always having a stock bag going in the freezer and I have, you know, 12 quarts of tomato sauce canned right now and the pickles and it, I only, it's my husband and I, and then my daughter and her partner have a house and I'm, you know, always trying to foist my stuff on them but do you ever get overwhelmed with the amount of food you have? And do you give it away? Are you like the crazy lady coming down the street with 12 zucchini? And they're like, Oh God, here she comes again.
1: Um, the answer is yes, but no, because I don't grow a lot of zucchini just for that reason. Like we don't love zucchini. So I'm not like the zucchini lady because I pull my zucchini plants out when I'm like, and I rotate them. So they never get like super big and they never get totally crazy. I have my third zucchini planting right now. That's like I harvested one zucchini off of, it's way slowing down just the right amount. So yes, we do a combination of, um, I gift away our kids, um, play instruments. And so we have like some musical instructors that we see semi-regularly. And one of them like has gotten very bold last week. I told him that I had made a salsa verde and he was like, Oh, well can Christmas come early because I need that like right now <laughs> like it's just like he just like we have this great rapport so I will bring him a a partial CSA basically at least twice a month sometimes every week I mean like when our watermelons were in season and our cantaloupes and you know the the cucumbers and we've got um, the interfaith outreach here in Plymouth not far from us and so I'll donate food there Um, I'm a master gardener with Hennepin County and we're doing individual donations this year. We do like a gardens for good program where we grow and donate. Um, Our neighbors love us. So anytime we want to give to neighbors, my husband's coworkers, it was hard during COVID because he wasn't working in an office, but um, coworkers, like even he was at a meeting yesterday and someone was like, someone who follows me on Instagram was like, oh, I hear you guys have a lot of cantaloupe right now. And he had just happened to like bring some in that day. He's like, well, yeah, it's like, you know, in the office. So it's
0: kind of so funny. That's so great. And do you, uh, I assume you are a canner. Do you water bath can or pressure can? I water bath
1: can. I am, I might invest in a pressure canner next year. I've never tried pressure canning, but um, I would love to put up like chicken broth and possibly try like corn or green beans, things like that. So I've canned about 50 quarts of tomato sauce so far. My goal was 70 for the year because we had about 55 last year and I had to ration it by like the middle of May. <laughs> like, I mean, cause think about it a family of four, if you want to make yeah. a lasagna, it's like, it's, it's two quarts. Yep. It's like, it's like a, it's. And so for people who are listening, that's two quarts of sauce is uh, four pounds of tomato sauce which is more like ten pounds of tomatoes that I have roasted and boiled down and stuff. So it's a that's a that's a lot that goes into one meal. And my one of my kids would eat chili or lasagna uh, every day. So that's like that's eight quarts a month. So you right. do the math, and like fifty is not enough for us. And it so, goes fast. Um, so yes, we did salsa, I do pickles, I canned beat this beets this year for the first time. Um, we do dehydrating. We're smoking and dehydrating our paprika peppers right now. Um, and then I grow a lot of things that are I like I'm lazy. Like I like to can, but I also like foods that are shelf stable. So that's a big push for us is like
0: what would be an example of that?
1: Uh popcorn. So growing wow. your own popcorn. You yeah. just, I've got my had a huge popcorn harvest last fall and we still haven't it was, it was big. I actually didn't grow popcorn this year because we have so much left over. It's still sitting on a cob. Some people say you have to take it off the cob. You don't have to take it off the cob. Well, well I guess there's, there's more than one way to live, Stephanie. Like we know this, right? Like, so I leave mine on the cob in our, in our, in our closet over there. And when I'm ready to use it right now, I pull it off. I put it into a glass jar. I drop a couple of drops of water in there. I swish it around and I throw it into my whirly pop thing. So, wow. top. so yeah. popcorn, cornmeal, um, is another corn. So another dry corn that we grow. Um, and we haven't bought cornmeal in a couple of years because we've been growing cornmeal for a few years now. Um, and it's just, it's kind of fun and novel. And yes, I think like the cornmeal maybe doesn't taste like quite as amazing as like, you know, a fresh tomato compared to, but I like just knowing that like, this is something I grew and I'm yeah. still tethered to the garden, no matter what season. Um, dry beans is another big thing that we have really gotten into. Um, I've tried things like garbanzo beans. They're not as productive here, but um, I've got several types of beans that um, are growing in the garden right now.
0: So they seem like a lot of work to me because you grow the bean Mm -hmm. and then you pick it and then you dry it in just like a plastic bag or something, not plastic probably, but a paper bag, let's say, and then you husk it and then you have the whole bean, right?
1: Yeah, there are ways to shortcut that process. Personally, I look at that as like a fun way of deepening kind of my meals. Um, So yes, so I am currently harvesting dry beans, the pods that have kind of gone yellow, and you can kind of feel the beans are kind of loose in there. I'm pulling them off the plants, and I'm putting them in baskets that have airflow, and I'm going to leave them. And I will sit when it's fire season here, and I've got the wood fire going, I'll sit and turn on Netflix or stream the great British baking show. And I will shell beans. I love
0: you. You are like my spirit animal. You really are. Like, cause that sounds like my perfect day right there. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: I mean, so I like it because it takes my gardening season and brings it into the cold months where I feel like I'm still doing a garden related task when I do not want to be outside and I really can't be outside. So yeah, it takes a little bit of time. You can do things like throw them into like a pillowcase and smash them against a wall. And you can like, put them in like a, a, a metal, like, um, 55 gallon drum and run like a, yep. a weed whacker or something. There's, there's ways There I'm sure TikTok or YouTube has lots of viral videos on how to, um, get Pick your beans. beans. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say them, but that's not the right word. So, um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I think beans are worth it. Uh, Some of the bean varieties we grow are highly productive. I mean, we grew like 14 pounds of dry beans. And the thing about, so here's the thing that I'm learning when the more dry foods I'm growing, which is really weird. It's fascinating. So dry beans, you buy them in the store and you have to like soak them. And then they take several hours to cook. These beans that come out of my garden and they're dried, but because they're still kind of fresh, they cook in like half the time. I'm talking like like they take no time at all to cook. So it saves you, it, it, your, your cooking time can, can be cut down in half yeah. sometimes. Well, and the instant pot
0: was like a game changer for me. Cause I would never have used a pressure cooker, but the instant pot, like you can make beans so much faster. Do you have an instant pot?
1: I just got one this year, but we, we used to, one of our wedding gifts back in 2000 was a pressure cooker.
0: Okay. So I was always afraid of it. I don't know why it's not logical, but the idea of the instant pot just changed a lot of that because I will make fresh my own beans from dried, but you're right. Like I have a can of, uh, garbanzos that are dried that have been on the shelf for probably two years Mm -hmm. from pandemic cooking. So when I plan to use those, I'm going to have to plan for a lot of extra time because just the beans are so old.
1: Yeah. I think we read that on average beans that are on the shelf in grocery stores are like five years old.
0: Oh, that's so gross. That's just like too long.
1: They're shelf stable. And 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 you think about the the nutritional value of say the beans that are, I'm cooking with versus like.
0: Yes. That something that's yeah. been there for five years. Eek. Well, that could well, make it me may, beans. Yeah, it beans.
1: Yeah. The other thing that we grow now every year, I started last year is sesame seeds. And they that's are. weird i love it and they even like some of my seeds right now that were still i mean i have like a, a less than a quarter cup left from last year i'm like tiny bit i'll toast a tiny bit and it goes on a stir fry or a go, go over some veggie rolls um it still tastes absolutely out of this world the freshness oh, and you yeah. think oh i wonder how old sesame seeds are sitting in the
0: pantry aisle right and would you ever make oil with yours? Like, is that something you could do?
1: I mean, sure, but I'm not growing that many.
0: <laughs> I, I,
1: I, Sesame seeds are small and they are quite intensive to kind of get out of their little pods. They are starting to dry right now. So I need to start paying attention and clipping just a few of them. They start to dry and open up a little bit. Um, and I generally put them into a paper bag, cut the whole stalk off if I need to, dump it upside down and I leave it. And then I... Give him a little shake and yep
0: okay so this is a really weird question to ask you but do you have to belong to a gym or do you have to go exercise somewhere or do you get like a lot of exercise literally just being outside in your garden every day
1: oh i definitely need supplemental exercise
0: okay because i'm just curious if yeah. you know i'm working too so i'm not in the garden every day But I'm like, you know, when people farmed, they didn't go to a gym, they did their gardening chores, they walked back and forth, they were bending down, holding things, lifting things. Yeah,
1: I would say um, certain times of year are definitely more active, like, you know, middle of April to middle of July are like, some days I'm out in the garden for eight hours or more, and the children are ignored. Um, they're old <laughs> enough to be ignored. So it's okay. They're happy. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Oh, good. Mom's not asking me to practice my instrument. Um, But yeah, like right now, I mean, we're going to get into a push again, but yeah, no, I still enjoy. It's not the cardio workout that like, you know, yes. like you got to get your heart going to keep your heart healthy. Like the cardio, I mean, but yeah, weightlifting. I have started weightlifting again, actually recently. Um, So when yeah, you,
0: Sorry. I was just curious from an exercise standpoint. Now talk about uh, writing a book. Had you written a book before? Because your book is real detailed. It's got graphs. It's got charts. It's got things to do seasonally. So right now we're coming up on the fall season. Like what can you do now to make your spring season easier? How long did it take you to write the book? Hmm.
1: Good question. I had, this is my first book um I had wanted to write a book for a long time like I wanted to write like a historical fiction I always knew I wanted to write a book I'm one of those non-traditional my life has not taken a traditional path yeah and it's it's worked out okay I, I'm very lucky that way um it took about a year to write the book and the photographs are a combination and I did all the photography um and some of the charts you see I created new for the book but some of them I had created years earlier on my blog um back in like 2018 2019 like some of those initial concepts about a succession garden versus a traditional garden um but yeah so I came up with the idea in the fall of 2019 and pitched it to my publisher timber press and they totally fell in love with the idea and thought it was a novel and um just a novel concept and something that the garden literature hadn't covered yet. And they were very excited to support my writing and everything. So I felt pretty lucky. So yeah, all the photography, all the words, it's all me.
0: All the photography is hard, isn't it? Like I found that to be the hardest part of the book for me to, when I did my cookbook, like to produce the photography was, I don't even know. I was like, what the heck?
1: Yeah. And I, I, they really, I really tried to be good about using my tripod um, and keeping my lenses clean. I'm, I'm a terribly dirty person. I'm just, there's dirt <laughs> everywhere. And so like, sometimes my, my photos, like right now, I know my lenses need to be clean because I think there's like specs on there. Cause like when I, I, I think it's a nice photo and then I zoom in and I'm like, Oh, there's gotta be something. In yeah. Clean. It's like, yeah. So yeah, it, but it's worth it though. I enjoy the photography aspect, you know, um, when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia by the Mayo Clinic back in like 2017, one of the things they wanted you to do as, like, part of their pain clinic and their, like, kind of holistic approach to how to live with chronic pain was to choose an activity, like, that you enjoy doing and spend time on it, like, 30 minutes a day. And I'm like, oh, photography. Like, I just, I, I am pain-free when I'm focusing on capturing a photograph, you know what I mean? So it's kind of a, it's a grounding Activity for me, and it really helps me be in the garden and out in nature and really connecting to, you know, especially the insects. I love like seeing the insects that are around and how they change and how the populations shift um, across the seasons and stuff like that. So,
0: do you have any of the Asian jumping worms, and are you concerned about that?
1: Oh, I'm certainly concerned about it. I have not seen any in our garden yet. So
0: I have them in both my gardens and it really, oh no, yeah, it's such a bummer. And I maybe, I have them up in my Ely garden at my cabin too. And they maybe came, someone said I could have brought them there from my shoes or, and it's just such a bummer because, you know, they're just gross. And, you know, you're digging and you're in your garden, you're in your happy place. And then all of a sudden, there's just like all these disgusting worms. You're just like, oh.
1: So have you noticed a difference in your soil?
0: Or um, plant, Of or course. Have the, plant,
1: have the plants responded differently?
0: Yes, uh, in particular. Um, So a friend of mine that I bought my house from that I live in now in Golden Valley is a master gardener. And she had the worms here. So she has been treating the worms with It's the hull of a quinoa seed Hmm. and it's an organic treatment. And what happens is, is you sprinkle this on and then you water it in about an inch. That's a lot of water. And then it gets down into the soft body of the worms and it kills them. Now, the bad part about that is it kills all the worms. So you are killing other worms too, but I've learned worms are not necessarily necessary in your garden. So I do treatments twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall, when the ground is at 60 degrees and the Mm. eggs are just ripe. And so I've been able to manage it to the point where I don't like notice it in the soil quality. But I can tell you there's an area in my house that's kind of a water garden that's rocks. And I didn't realize my husband wasn't treating that area Cause he's the one actually that puts all the stuff down. <laughs> um, but so I was over there doing some weeding and I was just like, oh my gosh, there's, first of all, the coffee ground soil is a real thing. And then the worms are right underneath the coffee ground soil. So you can see their bodies from the top of the soil, just looking down on it, which wow. is weird. Wow. Yeah, and it's just like a, a carpet of these worms. It's real gross. Um, we and need I to think... get a
1: predator of the worms. Like would a bird yes. eat them all?
0: I, I do have a lot of robins in the spring and I'm wondering if that's why, because they spend a lot of time in my yard, but I also have a pond. Yeah. So I think, you know, water is attracting to a lot of birds. Yeah. It's just a crazy, crazy thing. And when you're like pulling up beets or whatever, you know, it's just, it's gross because you just see them all in there and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. but I do just try to keep managing it and I try not to let it bum me out and I just keep going.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry it made it up north though. That's, yeah, that's it, like bitter. That's pretty bittersweet.
0: And it's also in like this, because I wonder now, so now it's in my garden, but it also will get into the ground. It's in the Shawamigan forest. It's in the Arboretum. So I don't know what that will be like because up in Ely where I am, it's really rocky and the soil is really different in the ground right. than it right. is down here. So I don't know if they'll, just thrive in the garden and eventually stay there or if they'll get into the forest. I don't know. It's just Mm. a bummer. It, Um, It
1: is. It is.
0: And, and you know, you have a lot of predators too. Like I'm assuming do you get like, do you have the Asian beetles and do you have things from a pest control standpoint that you're trying to work through?
1: Oh yeah. And really like now that we're gardening on this scale, I feel like we are seeing more pests as the years have gone on. So not only like more numbers, but I'm like, Oh, great. Now I see this pest. And like, part of it, I swear is awareness because I didn't used to know what a squash bug was. Cause I never had issues. Right. And Whoa. now just a couple of weeks ago, I was pulling one of my squash plants out and what did I see? Cause like, some, some of the fruit I had harvested was like pussy and gross and I knew something, but I didn't know what it was because for me, I really don't go out and like seek the knowledge on everything. I only look for the knowledge that I need to teach me what I'm learning and what I'm seeing at the time, right? So yep. I don't consider myself an expert in everything. I'm just an expert in what I've had experience with. Um And so I was like, oh, what could this be? And then I pull the plants out and there's like squash bugs on the soil. And I'm like, okay, that might have been a squash bug. So, but they're not everywhere. So I really take kind of a holistic approach. And in my book, I talk about this with like my perennial flowers, I think is just such an important part of our little micro ecosystem. Um, So we've got planted prairies surrounding our garden and what that brings in is it brings in just a really diverse range of insects, which can be, some of them are predatory. We have tons of predatory wasps here. Um, and we it also brings in lots of birds. Earlier this summer when it was super dry, we had a lot of birds in the garden and I'm kind of convinced they were in there looking for larva and bugs and like they were doing their job because you'd see occasional like pieces of leaves picked off and I'm like that's great right like I'm never going for perfect produce sometimes I get it but um you know things like my Asian greens um my my brassicas uh so my broccolis and my cabbages and my kale they're gonna have holes in them yeah there's gonna be and that's just that I am never that's never my goal is to have perfect produce I think that that is a an unrealistic and a very unfortunate product of the industrial agricultural system and what we all think food should look like, you know, like even my my younger son loves Honeycrisp apples and he likes Honeycrisp apples that are grown in Washington state because that's kind of the standard that you get in the grocery store. Yep. And, you know, we're pulling apples off of our trees right now and they've got little soot marks and you got to be careful and cut through because you might run into a yep. worm and, you know, I mean, we're organically managing, but it's a lot of work to grow an unblemished apple. Like it is a lot of inputs. And even if you're doing it organically, like just because it's organic does not mean it's better because organic pesticides are as lethal as conventional ones. So sure. Um, but yes, we've got we've got Japanese beetles. We've got lots of cabbage white moths. Um, what else do we have? I found I had
0: worms, and they weren't big, but I harvest cabbage, and you get the little worms in the bottoms, and you have to like soak them in the salt water and the The little green
1: green ones. Yeah, ones Mm -hmm. or yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean. Listen, pests are part of a healthy garden, I think. Yes, yeah. so
0: And you have to kind of embrace, I like your approach where you're sort of embracing the good with the bad, right? And trying to like deal in an ecosystem versus like having this one crop or I, I feel like I've been gardening now for four years and I have a set place where I garden and I feel like I need to kind of have a year of regeneration. I just feel like this year was kind of a dud. Mm-hmm. And I think I haven't put enough things into the soil and maybe I just need to do a whole bean, bean rose one year. And just, I, I don't know, I'm I'm going to read your book and try to figure out what I need to be doing better. Um, And I love that you grow kooka melons too, because I really am crazy about those little things. Are you, you crazy eat- about them? Oh God, I just love them. I love eating them off the tree. They're the plant. I love putting them in drinks. I think they're just so cute.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, and yeah. they're kind
0: of a worthless. I mean, you know, like you can't do a lot with them. It's not um it's not like a cucumber and the pickling and all that, but they're just so fun. I'm obsessed with radishes too.
1: Radishes are delicious. Radishes are like my main fall crop, like honestly. We will eat radishes daily here from
0: And like you November can to May. roast them and they're just mm-hmm. like potatoes. They're so delicious. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. Um
0: Yeah. I'm into roasted radishes. So if you were going to like, I saw your drone footage of your place that you posted on your Instagram. And I was like, I just was obsessed with it. I like watched it all the time just to see, like, it was so inspiring to think like anyone can do this really, you know, like even if you have a different space, you need some sun, but you can grow things in the shade too. And that everything's in container now is containers now feel so nice and tidy like I just loved the way it looked
1: yeah and we started with in-ground beds so we did not transition to raised beds and we did in-ground beds because it was the fastest and most economical way to get a garden up you know we moved here in the summer of 2016 we wanted to plant trees in April of 2017 so we got the deer fence up cut a few trees down and we got the soil amended um so, and we knew that we were going to transition to raised beds eventually. And it also coincided with adding irrigation, which turned out to be I mean, it was a huge investment. Basically, you have a cabin, I have a garden. Is, based- yep, <laughs> I
0: mean, for sure. Like,
1: like this is our cabin, you know, like we yes. did have land outside of the Twin Cities at one point And we didn't spend that much time here there. And so this was like, okay, we are going to reinvest and we're going to make a space that like, that is kind of our second home. Like we spend, that is where we convene.
0: Yeah. It's where for we sure. Out.
1: Yeah. It's where I have a lot of meetings whenever I can. So um, yeah, it's totally doable. I think the biggest thing is to really, if you want to start is you're right. Sunshine, soil, Soil health is huge. Nutrition, I think the biggest thing people do is um, either they don't know enough about their soil or they just assume they can just put something in the dirt, like add compost and get a soil test so you know what kind of pH you're dealing with and if you have any major, you know, um, deficits in your soil. Um, And then water, right? So water, sunshine, and good soil are like the three biggest keys and if when people have issues I always start there because it's like oh yeah I'm growing in shade it's like well that could be why your tomatoes are not flowering you know yeah. or like or oh yeah you know my soil is sandy well then you're gonna need a lot of compost yep. and you're gonna need to be like foliar feeding your plants because sandy soil all the nutrition just goes right through that soil and it doesn't hold so um yeah
0: Is a raised bed for you? Why did you decide to do raised beds? Do you feel like you would get better produce or do you just like that it's tidier? Why the raised beds?
1: Uh, Maintenance and for my chronic pain, I wanted to not have to be like bending over quite as much. Um, I wondered about that. Yeah. We're not getting any younger.
0: Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I mean, we're
1: still on the young side, but like if we want to do this for another, you know, 30 or 40 years, uh, we needed to have a garden that really felt like it was accessible for us as we start to age. I mean, we're definitely starting to feel like we're getting older. Um, so, and yeah, I mean, aesthetics, but I will say honestly, um, Our in-ground beds, I feel like, um, well, a couple of things have changed. So we went to raise beds and then we hit that nasty drought last year. And I feel like we're still haven't really broken it. But those two things coincided with an explosion of grasshoppers on our property and a dearth of amphibians. Like we do not have a lot of frogs or toads right now. And one of my theories is not only the drought, but raised beds dry out faster than our in-ground beds did. I mean, I was notorious for like when I used to edge, we used to hand edge all of our beds Mm -hmm. twice a season. That was a huge amount of maintenance. We did that to keep the, like any of the pictures in the book where it looks really trim and tidy. That was like right after we edged. And that is like, you know, moments, moments in time. when I was like, I better take a picture of this. (laughs) Um, But I used to like dig up toads, you know, six inches down. I am not. I'm seeing very few frogs and toads in the garden. And that's a a big loss, a big ecological ecological loss for us, if that really is the case. And we're going to have to figure out a way to add um, moisture.
0: Put a pond in. in Yeah,
1: I know. But do you think one pond in that area would, you think they'd hang out, they'd like jump around and then go back to the pond? I don't know.
0: I don't know either. All I know is I never had a pond before, and I have a pond, and it's like a self-filtering with greens in there. Uh, the master gardener lady put it in, thank God. Mm-hmm. But I have more frogs and more bugs and more birds than I've ever noticed before. I even have frogs that ha- have the um, like suction cups on their feet. The, that the almost pale, look pale like green forest frogs. Yeah. Oh yeah, th- those are tree frogs. Yeah. I'd never seen those in an urban environment before. I'd yeah. seen them, you know, out in the woods and I'd certainly seen them in the Caribbean or down South. But yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah. just, I end up with lots of these frogs and I've had a few lizards and snakes.
1: Yeah, we, we have snakes in our garden. I'll see snakes and rodents. Um. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would say there's no one perfect way to garden, yeah. you know? I mean, you've got to obviously there's resources and time and I really think like growing what makes you happy is the yeah. most important thing. And
0: also know. what you're going to use or eat or what you can give away, you know, to like, I'm, I'm planting a lot of tomatoes and, you know, maybe I don't need to plant so many next year. I don't know. I'm just like, how many quarts of sauce can I make? But Meg, I might have to give you some. <laughs>
1: I would seriously drive and take some of your tomatoes right now because I would love to. I need like another forty pounds of tomatoes.
0: Okay, all right. To, maybe we talk. just to get through this season, or <laughs> otherwise you're going to be like at Whole Foods with the sad can of San Oh margona. no, I don't like, want oh. to buy a
1: can of tomatoes this winter. Yeah, it, so, it won't be so until funny. the spring, but I think it's going to happen.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I just have loved talking to you. Your book is wonderful. It's Plant Grow Harvest Repeat. I am a big fan. I can't wait to keep following you. I'm going to take this book with me on a van trip for the next two weeks. We're going on a book tour for my cookbook, and I'm taking your book with to read it because I'm going inspire, to be inspired and um, re reevaluate my garden next year and figure out what I'm going to do different. So Aww. thank you so much for being a guest.
1: Thank you so much. And yeah, it was really, great to I talk hope, with you. I hope you have a great book tour.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll maybe see you up Burnside next summer. I hope so. Okay, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye.